Ronnie, uh, my brother-in-law, used to, and I, I don't know why I, I remember this, but if, you, if we had like a litter of puppies, Ronnie always liked the runt. You know, the runt of the group. And, and uh, that's the one he would befriend. And I, I, th I thought it was I interesting because... Uh, and, you know, a lot of times the runt will grow up to be one of the, even though it's a runt when it's born, it will grow up to be the most, uh, you know, all the other dogs, the fat ones lay around and they get run over by a car or whatever. But, but the runt survives, you know, the runt survives. And uh, runt of the litter. There was a movie, uh, Rambo, First Blood. And uh, Rambo was a Vietnam veteran. I was watching a documentary about that movie, and, and they were talking about well, why, what made that movie so popular? Because, I mean, here he was, he was a Vietnam veteran, he's sort of a walking the road, a hippie-like guy, and uh, he gets pulled over by the law for vagrant. He, he gets thrown in jail for vagrancy. And they really abuse their power, the police officers, and of course he snaps and breaks loose, and from there the movie is just a... One exciting thing after the other <laughs> once he snaps. But, uh, is that a true story? I don't, I don't think so. No, no, no. <laughs> but, anyway, <laughs> but anyway, in the movie, the documentary, they were, they were talking about what, what made, there was one part in that movie where he's, he, he steals this uh, big old army truck and uh, he breaks through a barricade and the truck so just big old heavy duty truck just sort of bounces and bounces off the ground. They said that in the review the whole audience just stood up and clapped when he <laughs> broke through that barricade. But they were talking about what made the movie so popular. And here it was. It said that people love it when the underdog comes out on top. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they, they just love it. You know? So the underdog, the runt, or whatever. Um, so an underdog is a person, group, or in a competition, usually in sports or creative work, who is expected to lose. That's the underdog. The underdog is expected to lose. The party team or individual expected to win is called the favorite or the top dog. We have a top dog. We have an underdog. Uh, but uh, in Deuteronomy 7, in verse 7 through 8, and I, I want to relate to that God loves the underdog. God calls the underdog. You are an underdog. And there's certain things about the underdog you need to understand about your willingness to fight, stand up, be tough, not roll over, roll over and play dead, but you are the underdog. It was not because, Deuteronomy 7, verse 7 through 8, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So God looks at us and says, no, you, you weren't the greatest, you were the least. And I place my love upon you. Another verse is 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 27. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 1 and verse 27. 
it's a, a verse, familiar verse. It says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now, I've mentioned that this verse will either offend you or it will give you encouragement. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29. That this verse will often offend you because you say, oh, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not like that. You know, if your ego is big, you know, you'll get offended by this. Or if you have submitted to the will of God and realize, okay, God is called the underdog, you will take encouragement from this verse. That this is the way God works. God chooses. God loves the runt. God loves the underdog. Now, I want to look at some just, I'll just go through these, some, some examples of underdog and God working through the underdog, with the underdog. First one was Gideon, you know, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. Uh, one translation says Gideon was beating out wheat in the, wine, in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So here's a man down in the wine press, you know, and this angel says, you mighty man of, you mighty man of valor. And he's hiding in the wine press. You know, he looks up and he says, you can't be talking to me. You know, but th this, okay, the underdog. All right, the underdog. David versus Goliath. Think about that one. Where would you put your bet on that one? Where, did, where would the children of Israel place their bet? You know, they were probably betting on Goliath. You know, this little runt of a guy is going to get killed out there. Uh, uh, but he was the underdog. The underdog, and he comes out on top. God loves it. You know, just, just like the, the, the movie that I explained, people love it when the underdog comes out on top. Moses versus Pharaoh. I mean, think about that one. I mean, here's some of these long-haired hippies. They come in and, you know, let my people go. We're speaking for God. And, uh, you know, the, the, to Pharaoh, where did they place their bet? You know, the Egyptians probably thought, okay, I mean, this is crazy here. Daniel versus Babylon. Think about that one. Daniel was willing to die before he disobeyed God. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve the God, your gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. You know, the underdog doesn't talk to a top dog like that, but he did. And he came out on top. The last one is us, us versus the flesh the world, and the devil. By saying us, that would be we. We are the underdogs, right? I mean, think about that. Think about it. Where would you hedge your bets on that one? Okay, where, where, where would, uh, let's say, the demonic angels, what, what, what are they betting on? You know, they're probably saying, well, well they're going to be destroyed by the flesh, the world, and us. This is where God places, you know, God, God is, I think he bets also, and he's, he's betting on the underdog, you know, that you're going to come out on top. You know, the word Israel, it means God's contender to wrestle with God. You know, Jim O'Brien mentioned that at the feast this year, to wrestle with God. Think about that. 
What is your wrestling match that you have? Back in Genesis uh, 32 and verse 24, and we know that story, but let's take a look at it. Genesis 32 and verse 24. <clears throat> Genesis 32 and verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And he said unto him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall not be no more called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince you have prevailed, you've had power with God and with man and have prevailed. Think about this one. The angelic realm watching this wrestling match. Where did they place their bets? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this is incredible. Here, the underdog. God loves, God calls the underdog. God loves the underdog. What is your wrestling match? You know, it could be many things. It could be uh, what you're struggling with. It could be the lust of the flesh. It could be sins that you struggle with. It could be finances. It could be health issues. It could be fears and phobias that we all have. It could be what goes on between your ears, your mind. That's your wrestling match. Stinking thinking, let's say. Uh, something that's helped me about, because I've struggled with what goes on between the ears, is to, someone, I forget who said it, but think about what you think about. Think about what, you know, don't just let those thoughts come into your mind. Think about what you're thinking about. And you sometimes think, why, why am I tearing myself down? Why am I thinking negatively? negatively? Why, am I, why, why am I going down that road? Think about what you think about. Don't allow just anything to pop into your mind. You know, I told a story uh, last, last week about preparing a sermon for the feast, and I was going over it, and uh, started tearing it down. Think about what you think about. Where did that come from? I think it came from the pit of hell, just trying to discourage me. But anyway, now I want to, so, so what is your wrestling match? God does not expect us to just roll over and play dead. He does not expect us to be a doormat. He expects us to fight. He expects us to win. He expects us to struggle with whatever you have and to be a winner for the underdog to come out on top. Now, I want to digress and look at another underdog. And I'm going to get political here. And, uh, you know, I know some people say, well, you shouldn't talk about politics. And my mother used to tell me that. You know, don't, don't talk about politics in church. <laughs> I want to look at another, another underdog that I see today. His name is Donald Trump. Because... Uh, the lies that are told against him and the media ripping him to bits and pieces every day. I, I don't know. If I was in his shoes, I would have thrown in the towel a long time ago. The criticisms, the constant lying. I don't know. It takes a big person to su survive that. But what I'm getting to, to you is you are an underdog and you, you are to respond the same way as we see Trump responding, to keep fighting, don't give up. God's holding him up. Absolutely, absolutely. 
that is so obvious. There's people that don't see it, but it's, it's obvious. It should be obvious to any thinking person. Now, okay, I just want to look at him, what he's going through. Trump is an underdog. I, my friend from um, Canada, we were, I was talking to him. He said, at the feast this year, did, did they ask to pray for the president? And I thought, well, I, I, I don't know if they did or not. I don't know if that was mentioned or not. Yeah. And he said it didn't happen at my feast. He went to a different feast. He said, I didn't hear a word about praying for our president. Have you been praying for our president? 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1, because we are instructed to do just this. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1. And we'll read verses 1 and 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made to all men. For kings, or presidents, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honestness. Honesty, excuse me. You know, what is on the line at this election is whether you're going to be able to continue to lead a quiet, peaceable life in godliness and honesty. It's on the line in 10 days. In 10 days. I want to ask you to do something for me. Since we're not having church this fifth Sabbath, the one coming up, take some time. Be sure and take some time to be praying for Donald Trump the leadership of this country. Because I don't think any of us realize what's at stake here. Well, we do realize. We do realize. There is a wrestling match in heaven. I want to read you something. I, and I don't know the guy that said this, but it was so powerful. It was, it was, it was like a prophet. I don't know who said this, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quote it to you. Listen closely. Listen closely. America is the firewall that protects the one thing Satan fears the most. An awakened church. What is the one thing Satan fears? The, and, now let me emphasize, because a lot of them are asleep. An awakened church. The one thing he fears the most. Uh, Satan needs to destroy America. It's his one obstruction. As every devil, still quoting here, as every devil in hell is manifesting to remove Trump from office, the remnant will once again need to respond and plead with God in the courts of heaven for an extension of grace, mercy, and most important, time. The Lord is telling us that we are locked in a moment of strenuous wrestling in an undecided match. That undecided match will take place in 10 days. Now, Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says this. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's, that's what we're struggling with here. It is a diabolical struggle. If we could pull the curtains back and see behind the scene 
of what's going on. The countdown to this election, 10 days. Now, here's the thing, and I know people, you know, oh, you, don't, you shouldn't get political, but, but here, here's, here's the thing. If the Democrats win, they will destroy America with their policy. You know, it used to be they were called progressives, which was meaning they were under the radar look, moving towards socialism, but they kept it a secret. They didn't just come out and say it. This party has absolutely come out in your face and said, if you're not for abortion, you can't be a part of our party. I forget who said that, but I heard that. Uh, hell yeah, we're going to take your guns away. I forget the guy that said that. Uh, <laughs> and we're... <laughs> who, who was it? Biden, Biden okay. Well, Biden, Beto O'Rourke said it. Beto O'Rourke, that's who I was thinking about, yeah. Okay. And we are for socialism. Yeah. And, you know, I think about, okay, socialism, socialized medicine, socialized health care, Obamacare. Let me tell you about my little ditty with that one now. I, I got Obamacare thinking it was a great deal, like many foolish people are thinking it's a great deal. And, uh, <laughs> it's just a couple thousand dollars. <laughs> exactly. And it, it, I turned in what I thought was my salary, but sometimes we get bonuses uh, from our company. And so I made a lot more than, than I was penalized. $23,000 in back taxes. I had to pay the full $2,300 a month for health care. <laughs> well, I hadn't paid it yet. <laughs> we hadn't paid a dime of that back yet. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, uh, but I mean, I'm thinking... Once people wise up and realize what this is, that this is just to penalize the working man and then give it to the health care to the person who is not working. Once people wise up and realize what this is, I canceled mine as soon as I got that bill. So no longer is the funding going to be for it. So where does it go? It goes nowhere. Once people wise up and realize this is just socialized, uh, uh, socialized health care, they'll quit funding it. And it, that's it. That's over with. So, um, okay, destroy America with their policy. And, and speaking of abortion, this was a quote I found. Those willing to kill the unborn should not be allowed to govern the living. If you allow those who are willing to kill the unborn, to govern you, you are what the Bible calls a fool for allowing that. Okay? Now, here's the sad part. If the Democrats lose, they will literally destroy America by burning it down, as they are doing right now in some of the Seattle, California. Um... I have personally been, uh, just share this with you, I'm not saying you've got to do the same thing, but I, I have personally, because 
people are crazy, you know, like blowing up the power grid and crazy things like that. I have, I have ordered a month's supply of food stuff from the Patriots. I have, I have a way to pump up water out of my well, and I have an alternate heat source. There's, there's, three, <laughs> there's three things you got to have. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't give him my address. <laughs> Wait a minute. Swimming pool, I might come to your house. <laughs> you got to have. Okay, heat source, water, and food. If the, I'm thinking about reordering some more. Yeah. Um, now this is, this could be, this could be good news here. A recent poll indicated that 77% of Americans think traditional media outlet spreads fake news. That's great. That is great. 90% of media coverage has been negative against Trump in the first four months of this year, and that was 2020. 90, think about that. 90%. Uh, it, the media never covers the good things that the president does. And again, I ask you to put yourself in his shoes. What would you do? Would you just throw in the towel and say, I give up, I, I can't take this negative stuff that's going on day in and day out? The lies, Russia collusion, a lie uh, that is spread. But I wanted to go through just a list of things, some good things that probably people aren't, may not even be aware of that Trump has done. Number one, judges. Trump has appointed now three Supreme Court justices, 53 federal uh, appellate judges and 146 district court judges. Uh, hist historic tax, tax cuts and deregulation after eight years of high unemployment and meager growth under President Obama's administration, the Trump tax cut of 2017 and Trump's extensive counseling, counseling of excessive government regulations on businesses have given a tremendous boost to the American economy. Three, building a stronger U.S. military. Uh, four, protecting unborn babies. Those willing to kill unborn should not be allowed to govern the living. But if you protect the unborn, that qualifies you in the position of a leadership if you're willing to protect them. Uh, streamlining, number five, uh, environmental reviews for major construction projects. I thought this was interesting. I, I always wondered... When I would, we would go visit our daughter in South Carolina. She lived in uh, Charleston. Yeah. And for 10 years, they were working on the roads. And Route 40, I believe. And you go there and you think, they're not getting anything done. It, for 10 years, they're working on the road. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Uh, in order to build a new section of highway, a new subway line, or a new gas pipeline, the necessary environmental impact statements have recently taken four to five to six years to get all this approved. Uh, 
These delays massively increase construction cost and delay relief for over-congested highways. And that's what I was complaining about, the over-congested highways where the roads are never fixed. But in uh, July 15, 2020, President Trump White House released new guidelines limiting environmental impact studies to two years. So, so now I understand why the road systems take so long to get fixed. You know, environment, you know, we got to watch out. We got to protect the kangaroo, kangaroo rat or whatever. Uh, it's a rat. Forget about it. Let it die. Uh, <laughs> Number six, expanding educational freedom. Number seven, standing with Israel. Number eight, actually building a border wall. Nine, religious freedom and freedom of conscience. Ten, withdrawal from Paris Climate Accord. And number 11, in energy production and energy independence. 12, defeating ISIS. 13, protection against false accusations on college, college campuses. 14, protecting freedom of speech on college campuses. 15, protecting boys and girls bathroom, locker rooms, and sports teams. Sure. Uh, and the one that is probably criticized the most by the liberal media, a wise COVID-19 response. President Trump imposed strict restrictions on travel from China on January 31st, 2020. Long before other leaders recognized the danger of this coronavirus, then the COVID-19 virus began to spread rapidly within the United States. The dominant media narrative was fear that we would run out of hospital beds to take care of sick people. Uh, President Trump immediately mobilized the military to construct huge new hospital facilities in New York and elsewhere, in which many of them were never used because it wasn't needed. Okay. But we're listening to the liberal media on this. The next fear was that we would run out of ventilators. President Trump persuaded leaders of America's industry to fast track the manufacturing of ventilators. And soon there were enough ventilators. All right. So that is a fact. Here's the thing I want to tie up to you. As the underdog, no matter how much good you do, you will be criticized by your enemy. Now, now apply that to yourself. You are an underdog. And I don't care how much good you try to do, you're going to be criticized by your enemy. Why? Because you are the underdog. In a way, the underdog is a lone wolf. It's you and God. And you have to stand on that. You know, me and God. God and you. Okay. Now, I mentioned that if I were in his shoes, Trump's shoes, I would have thrown in the towel a long time ago. But you know... In a way, we are in his shoes as the underdog, as a Christian underdog. And your only response is to toughen up and as an example of how to face each and, other, each and every day under, under criticism, being lied to because the accuser of the brethren, Satan, is, is coming before the throne of God, lying about you constantly. You have to, you know... Stand up and, and, and face this wrestling match as the underdog. 
So I think it is a wrestling match going on today, especially 10 days from now. I want to conclude with that statement I read earlier because I thought it was so powerful. America is the firewall that protects the one thing that Satan fears the most, an awakened church. Satan needs to destroy America. It's his one obstruction. As every devil in hell is manifesting to remove Trump from office, the remnant will once again need to respond and plead with God in the courts of heaven for an extension of grace, mercy, and most important, time. The Lord is telling us that we are locked in a moment of strenuous wrestling in an undecided match, which will be decided 10 days from now. Three things. Pray for the underdog. Pray for our president. Stand up for the underdog. And that's, that's, that's a point I almost forgot here, standing up for the underdog. Here's why I think that's important, and I'll, I'll shut up. Um, I have been reluctant from time to time to post stuff. I didn't want people to you know, realize my political views. I'm no longer concerned about that. Uh, <laughs> because I think the struggle, you know, the, the battle of what we will choose is, is, is on the line, and it's basically a giving up of our freedom. Um, but here's the thing. If we will not stand up for the underdog, you see, there's coming a time when you're going to want someone to stand up for you as the underdog. You're going to want someone to come to your rescue and say, hey, no, 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 I stand up for him. He's not like that. She's not like that. I stand with that person. That's why I think it's so critical for us to stand up for the underdog. If, if you know, do unto others as you want men to do to you. If you want someone to stand up for when you're down in the dumps and, and someone needs to come to your rescue, the way we can do that is by standing up now for the underdog, whoever that underdog may be. You know, I always, in school, I always, my nature was, if someone was talked bad about, put down, the outcast, my nature was always to befriend that person and, and come up to that person and speak to that person because I viewed them as an underdog. And uh, I realized back in school, people were like, you know, a lot, a lot of teenagers, you know, children are like much of sharks and they attack the, the one that's down and out. So, so anyway, three things. Pray for the underdog, pray for our president, and stand up for the underdog.